Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. Welcome everybody. It's great to be here this morning and uh, we're moving on with spiritual fitness. God is going to speak to you right now and uh, you can tune in if you'd like to. Like, I think it's a really good thing to remind ourselves that I'm not just here to go through the motions. I'm actually here to hear from the creator of the universe who is my father who loves me. So as I pray, ask the Holy Spirit. You ask the Holy Spirit. I'll pray for you. But you yourself say, God, help me to hear what you're saying to me this morning. Sometimes God speaks to you and it's so beautiful you think that must be me, but it's actually God because he's beautiful. He'll speak beautifully to you. So today I want to talk to you about this incredibly important word, remember. And uh, we're going to do a bit of an active remembering today. Several years ago, quite a long time ago actually, when we had our first two children before our other two were born, we went on a holiday. Um, First we went to Tamworth where Graham's parents were living and we stayed with them. And then we're heading off to Dubbo Zoo. So we all get everyone in the car, we're about to drive off and Graham's mum says, where are you staying in Dubbo? This is before the internet. And we said, we're not sure, we'll find somewhere when we get there. And she said, but it's a very busy time of year at school holidays. We said, no, you know, what you say when you're in your 20s, we'll be fine, don't you have to worry about it. So we got to Dubbo and we drove around and as you can probably guess, this story goes, not well, we couldn't find anywhere to stay. And so we drove to a couple of little neighbouring towns and we couldn't find anywhere to stay. Dubbo is a very popular place. So the time's going on, it's getting dark, the children are getting hungry and tired, we're getting hungry and tired, and we said, we remembered Graham's mother saying, remember my cousin Marjorie. Now, there's different ways you can remember, okay? When she said, remember my cousin Marjorie, we could have pulled over and said, let's think about Marjorie. We remember her. She's lovely. She's very kind and uh, looks after people and we just remember her. And so we sleep in the car for the night remembering Marjorie. Option one of remembering. That's sometimes how we remember. Option two, remember cousin Marjorie is very present in Dubbo. She has shelter. She has food. She has comfort. She has protection. And you all have only have to knock on her door and cousin Marjorie will open the door and invite you in which is what we did. And uh, she was lovely. She was very happy to have us. She had been recently widowed and she was actually lonely and a little family arrives and she wanted us to stay longer than we even ended up staying. So we actually ended up free accommodation in Dubbo and a cooked breakfast every morning. So it was lovely. So we remembered Marjorie actively. Now, there's other ways of remembering. So if you were here last week, I was sharing about I was away when one of my sons had their birthday recently. And because we were away this weekend, we went down to Sydney on Friday to remember his birthday. So we could get all the family, some extended family members together and go out for dinner together to remember his birthday. Now, when we say that, it wasn't this. It wasn't that one day we woke up and we thought, oh, we have a child in Sydney. We forgot that. And it's his birthday. We forgot that. That's not, that wasn't the remembering. The remembering was all getting together and remembering what we love about him, taking some time to say, we love you, blessing you, giving of ourselves and our money and our time to remember how much we love him and to remind him. Two ways of remembering. 
that we're going to focus on today. So what I think we do, I'm going to read you a passage about remembering. I'll tell you how I think we do this and how we might have it, might have it a little bit wrong. Partly right, which is partly right, but there's a whole lot more to it. So this comes from 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26, and it is a man called Paul who was a leader of the church and he's writing to the church in a city called Corinth, and which is currently part of Greece, and he's talking to them about when they get together for what he calls here the Lord's Supper, or we call communion. Now, they did it slightly differently then. You can do it differently now, but their problem was their communion was not like we have here, um, a wafer and some juice. It was an entire meal. The problem with their entire meal was that some people were getting there early and some were actually eating way too much. And there was no one, le- nothing left. And some were actually drinking too much and getting drunk. So that was communion going wrong. And um, he's writing to them about it. And is, this is in the message translation. If you're familiar with this passage, this might sound a little bit different. But this is what he says. Let me go over with you again exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it is so centrally important Centrally important, okay, just focus on that for a little bit. Centrally important is not just a little thing that we think, oh, let's take communion, that's a nice little thing to do. It's centrally important, but work out why. I received my instructions from the Master, who is Jesus himself, and passed them on to you. So let's let's hold this like in a bit of reverential awe here. Instructions from Jesus himself passed on to you. Let's have a listen to what it is. The master Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, took bread. Having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. Now here's this word, remember. This is what I think a lot of us do with this remember for communion. We know it's important but we come to it more like we visit a grave site. You know, you go to a grave of someone you really love and you sit and you remember them and you hold them very close in your heart and you remember good times and you long for them, but it's not that sort of remembering. It starts off with that. You are remembering Jesus. You are remembering his death and his resurrection. And sometimes I think we come thinking we need to be sad, we, we need... It's, it's almost a little bit funeral-ish we put into it or reverential, which it needs to be, which we'll come to later, but it's bigger than that. Michael Bird, a theologian, writes this, To many it is mere memorialism. This sums up how many people feel about the Lord's Supper. Jesus is remembered but he's not present. This, that view is deficient, he says, because Jesus' presence is the whole point. Because he died, but he rose again and he is alive. So when we come to this remembrance, it's not remembering like we have on Anzac Day, which is um, respectful. And we're remembering that people fought for us to give us our freedom. And we remember that. And this is something that we're remembering, but it's a bigger memory than this. It's a remember in the present moment. And what he wants us to do is to not just remember and reflect on the past, but remember right now. Like we remembered Cousin Marjorie right now. We could have remembered that she was kind in the past, but we needed her kindness right then. 
We needed her presence and she was present. Or it could be like me remembering my child's birthday. I always remember him, but on that day I celebrate him. Two sorts of memory. When we come to the table, remember two things. Remember his presence. We're going to look at what we could remember then. But also we celebrate. We need to take a moment. This is what I think Jesus was doing when he said this. We've turned this into just something that we do when we gather together on a Sunday sometimes. But I think Jesus is doing something far bigger than that in this. It's practical and easy for everyone. So have you ever been sick and the doctor gives you antibiotics and you take them for a couple of days and you start to get better and you start to forget them? Has anyone ever done that? No. <laughs> I, I have. I have. And um, so this is what I do to remember certain things. I will take them and I'll put them right next to the kettle because I will never forget to have my cup of coffee in the morning. It's the very first thing that I want. Now, you might not be like that, but I know what I need. I, I won't forget. I won't forget my coffee. And uh, if I wake up and there is no coffee, I feel anxiety coming upon me quickly. So I won't forget my coffee. It's very, very important. You will have something else that's very important to you. And so you can do that because, you know, I won't forget that. And I think Jesus is saying this about eating and drinking. What does, what does every person do every day? They eat and drink. Generally, three times a day, sometimes more. And we don't have to discuss how much you eat or drink during the day. Um, it's up to you. The more you do it, the more you can remember. Because if I, <laughs> you will be thriving, you're set up for life. So if you just took your food and drink time every day, and every time you ate and drank, you remembered what we're about to rem what I'm about to talk to you about. <laughs> a lot of things. I won't be able to go everything you can remember. You make it an active remember that the presence of God is with you. The presence of God is with you every time you eat and drink. You may be out with people who don't even believe in saying in grace, but in your, saying grace, but in your heart and mind, as you go to eat this food, you think, "That's right. Whenever I eat and whenever I drink, I remember. I remember His presence." I remember his power. I remember his love. I remember his grace. I remember his kindness. I remember that I'm forgiven. I remember that I'm loved every time you eat and drink. I, I think we've made it kind of more mystical than what it meant. That it is mystical, but it's very practical. I think Jesus is saying here's a way of remembering every day, every time you eat and every time you drink, remember this. And don't remember it as something in the past. Remember it as something in the present right here, right now. And it's good to start off with food because most of us start off with eating and drinking before we leave the house. Most of us do. Even if it's a glass of water, remember every time you eat and every time you drink. So what we are remembering is that his power and his presence are with us and we can surrender everything to him. Even if you have a glass of water before you walk out the front door because you slept in, as you drink it, remember. Because he said every time you eat and every time you drink, remember. Remember. And you can do that wherever you are. You can do that in a crowded room. You can do that with a group of people who don't believe because remembering is actually in your head. So what are some of the things we can remember? Well, we can read this little thing about him, little thing. We can read something he said in Matthew 28. So just to get this in context, Jesus died on the cross. 
He was in the tomb for three days. He was raised from the dead. And before he ascended into heaven, he spent time with his students, his disciples, with other people. Other people saw him in that period of time. And there's a time he gave instructions. And one day, as he was talking to them, it says this, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Pause on that. That's a pretty massive thing to be told. I've actually been given all authority. Imagine if I said to you today, by the way, everyone, God spoke to me in the night and he said, Sue, I've given you all authority in heaven and on earth. That's fairly large, isn't it? Fairly daunting and I actually don't want that. I prefer him to have that because he has abilities that I don't have. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That's a good thing to remember as you drink that glass of water, as you have your coffee, as you eat your wheat bix or your toast and Vegemite or whatever you might have, your bacon and eggs. I've been given all authority on heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given them and be sure of this, I am with you always. Now you've got two things to remember. As your day is about to start, You do not know what's going to happen, but you do know someone who has all authority on heaven and earth and they are with you always, even to the end of the age. Remember, because Jesus died for you to pay the price for all your sins and all your failures and all your weaknesses, because he rose again to defeat the power of sin and death and darkness and evil, he has opened up the way for you to enter into his kingdom and he has all authority in heaven and earth and you can move into that and you can remember that every day. Every day as you go to face your day, whatever's going to happen, you remember this, all authority has been given to me and you remember it when you're having breakfast and you remember I am with you always, I will never leave you or forsake you and then you go off and then something happens that you don't know how to deal with and it's a bit overwhelming or it's a disappointment or it's sad or it's confusing, and then you have morning tea and you remember, oh, that's right, as I'm eating and drinking, I remember all authority has been given to Jesus and he's with me. Then you go on because it builds up your faith a bit, you remember. It says like this in Luke, seek the kingdom of God above all else and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. When you seek the kingdom of God, it's like it's not something you do first actively. It's something you do first internally and then it becomes active. And it's kind of like a flow, if you like. Um, It's not like I can't do anything outside till I've got this right inside because you'll never quite get it right on the inside. It's your whole life's journey is to have the kingdom of God ruling and reigning in your heart. And St. Ignatius, who was um, a 16th century church father, explains it a bit like this. Your purpose for being here, firstly, is to be loved and be known by God and to love him and to enjoy everything about life in him. It's like you rise above everything. That's your purpose. If you if you take your Christian journey, your, your Christian journey first and foremost is to be in this incredibly beautiful relationship. We can say kind of clinically, it's all about relationship, and uh, but it's it's far more glorious than that. Far more glorious than just to put in a word like that. It's just to be fully loved by Him, to be fully content in Him, 
And that, that's what we do. And what, this is what we often want. This is what I often want. You might not be like this at all. If God would just answer all my prayers and solve all these problems I have, my faith would be really strong. And if he could do this, I could get on with my calling in life. And he is saying, no, this today is your calling. And there are things that are coming around you and all those things, this is what St. Ignatius says, all the things that happen either are used to propel you into your relationship with him when you have beautiful things happen during the day and you think these are all gifts from God. All the difficult things that happen, you use them to get over the top of them in your heart and your mind to realise that God has all authority in heaven and earth over all those things. And he promises that he will work together, he work everything together for your good and for his glory when you trust in him. That's an amazing thing. And so therefore St. Ignatius says everything in your life can be used to propel you into a deeper relationship with the Father. The great things remind you of how good he is and the difficult things propel you into trusting him more. Whereas I often don't see it like that. I see the difficult things are just things that need to get out of the way so that I can love God more. If they would go, life would be good. Anyone else ever thought anything like that? Just a slight thought, please God. In fact, I've found in my life that sometimes when the troubles come, I think there might be a sign that God doesn't love me. And yet if that was true, then God didn't love Jesus when he was in the garden praying in agony the night before he was crucified. We have these strange ideas that we bring into our faith which are not actually in the Bible at all. And in fact, you'll see right through the scriptures people going through really difficult times so that God could reveal his power and his glory in them. But to get mastery over those things, to not let them pull you down, is not easy. And you have to practice. You have to practice your, your own way of keeping moving your heart back into the love of God. And as you do it, one day you'll look back and think, once I used to be afraid in that situation, but now I have this confidence in Jesus. It's kind of like if I say I want to be a really fast runner and I think I am really fast because I can run from here to there really quickly, like to that chair. But if I say I want to be a marathon runner, I could say I would be a really good marathon runner if a marathon wasn't as long as it is. If you could make it shorter, I would be really, really good. And that's why in the Bible there's examples of being an athlete that you've got to keep training yourself. You've got to train your heart and your mind to meditate on the love of God where you actually are teaching yourself by the Holy Spirit how to rest in his love. Our aim is to rest in his love, and that's what we get to do for eternity. And it doesn't always come easy. It never comes easy to us, but the results are amazing. You know, it's Olympic year this year, and you will see people standing up there getting medals, and uh, it didn't come easy, but when they get their medal, they know it was all worth it because they trained themselves. They actually had the ability to do it. The ability was always, the ability was always there. It's just that they needed to get that muscle going to be able to do it well. The, your ability to rest in the love of God is there. But you with the Holy Spirit need to work out, and that's why it says in the Scriptures, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, how to get to that point where you can be like that and where people will see Jesus in you regardless of what's going on. We um, went to um, stay with some friends. Well, they're actually more friends of, of my parents once in America. It was Graham and me and our four kids. And um, the day we arrived, their daughter-in-law had just come home from the hospital 
diagnosed with with stage four brain cancer. And it was awkward because we've just arrived for a holiday and they're all trying to deal with this. And she, the daughter-in-law, she came home and she said, um, well, it is stage four cancer. And what I want is for people to see the peace of God in me. I was really blown away by that. I want people to know that God is with me. I just want his peace to be present. It stuck with me because it was before my son died and I was thinking, how can she be like that today? And then I realised that we, we will all have a time when we go through something and you don't do it for show. You don't really think about what others think, but you think, how can I honour the Lord in this moment to, to let him know that I do still trust him? So Paul Tripp writes this, You and I are kingdom-oriented. We are always in pursuit of and in service to some kind of kingdom. We are either living in allegiance to the King of Kings, celebrating our welcome into his kingdom of glory and grace, or we are anointing ourselves as kings and working to set up our own little kingdom of one. You might think, oh, I've never done that. That's actually what we do most of the time. It's my little kingdom. Everyone will behave the way I want them to, and God, you will make them do that because you are my servant. Jen, if you really dig down, that's how most of our kingdoms work. And we kind of like that because we want to be in control. It is scary not to be in control. But control is an illusion, really. You think you're in control because you're thinking about it all the time, but it's actually an illusion. It doesn't always work out. Even your best plans that don't always work out. Yeah, people say, you know, there's when people when planes are overbooked. And every now and then there are not enough seats because aeroplanes do apparently overbook because people don't turn up for flights. And if you've ever paid for a flight, which is precious, you think, why would someone not turn up? Because things happen (laughs) and people miss a flight that they may have paid $1,000 for because things happen. So you actually don't have control over everything in your life as much as you, you would like to think it. And so therefore... This is why remembering is really important because if you are moving into this kingdom that he won for you, Jesus said, so don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives you your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Which kingdom do you want? There are actually two kingdoms. Jesus said that he has won for us this kingdom because the, the Bible tells us that there is this the prince of the air who we call Satan who actually has rulership over this kingdom of this world. That goes right back to the fall. Adam and Eve said, yes, we'll listen to you rather than God. That's how this world is, is run and that's why it's really hard rationally to solve the problems of this world because he is confusing. And Jesus, when he defeated the powers of sin and death, opened the door for you to come into this kingdom of grace. But the way to come in is to give your whole life to him and allow him to be king. And you have to choose to do that. But it's beautiful the way he says, don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Come in where you're rescued, where you're safe. It's like Cousin Marjorie. Come in. Doors are open. The food is here. The beds are here. Protection is here. Security is here. Remember this. Not sit in your car and remember that there is a nice person in Dubbo. Knock on the door. That's what the the Holy Spirit is saying to you today in everything, in everything that you're about to face, that you may have faced already this morning, that you will face today. 
and in the really beautiful moments to celebrate. That's right, he loves me. The reason I have anything good, the reason there is a flower on a tree, the reason is there a blue sky and the reason good things happen is because there is a Father in heaven who loves me. Everyone, actually, whether they realise it or not, those blessings are from the Father in heaven. So therefore, when we come and we eat and we drink, these are the things we remember. And if you want to know what you need to remember, wherever you eat and drink, take a moment and look at your own heart. So if you come and you're eating and you're drinking and you've just had a great day, remember his goodness. And as you eat and drink, just say, thank you, God. Thank you, all these beautiful things that happened today, all these people that I love, all these beautiful things I saw. I remember you. I remember that they are all a gift from you. But perhaps when you stop for lunch or stop for dinner and you're about to eat or drink, you're troubled and burdened. And you ask yourself, what have I forgotten here? And you realise, I forgot his power. I forgot that I'm carrying this huge weight on my shoulders, yet all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. And that remember his power or you might be not expecting good and as you're looking at your circumstances today you're thinking it's I can't work I can't say anything good will ever come out of this can't imagine it I can't predict anything good it's all looking dismal and you've forgotten, ask yourself, what have I forgotten here? You've forgotten his justice, actually, because he fights for you. So if you've been brought into his kingdom and you've given your life to him, he now operates on your behalf. It says in Romans 8 that he, he sits at the right hand of the Father advocating for you, fighting for you, interceding for you. There is the Holy Spirit who helps you to pray. And he has one is. He's beaten the power of sin and darkness, brought you into his kingdom and therefore he will fight for you and your family and your whatever is happening in your life. He will fight because that is his justice. He has defeated the power of evil. So if the power of evil is trying to come into your life, your heart, your mind, your realm of influence, his justice is that he defeated it. You can trust in him. He will work all things together for good. Perhaps when you come to eat or drink, you, as you ask him to search your heart, it can be a few seconds silent. You can just say, God, search my heart. What do I need to remember? And he might point out to you that you have someone that you haven't forgiven. You're still mad with them. And you can say to him, what do I need to remember? And you need to remember his grace and his mercy that was poured out for you. Because the truth is, and it's a harsh truth, well, it's harsh truth, it's a difficult truth for me to grasp anyway, that when I have unforgiveness towards someone, I've actually forgotten God's grace and mercy to me. You ever find when you're unforgiving towards someone that your pain is the biggest and you, you don't want to have grace and mercy? Everyone feel like you don't want to have grace and mercy towards someone? Like it seems unfair to have grace and mercy towards someone when they've really hurt you? What if they intentionally hurt you? Or what if they, it wasn't quite intentional, but they didn't think when they hurt you? It's really hard to have grace and mercy for that, isn't it? Because um, you think, well, they should have thought. They should have thought. And but you don't want anyone to say that to you, do you? When you are sorry for what you've done, even if you're not sorry for what you've done, Think of the grace and mercy of God towards you. You've done intentional things wrong. You've done stupid things. You've done things you were wrong. You didn't even realise they were wrong at the time. And for all of it, he's shown his grace and mercy already. His grace and mercy is not dependent on you realising it. His grace and mercy is already there. 
You just have to receive it. But it's already there. He's already forgiven. You just have to receive it. You may have forgotten that. And you might need to say, God, remind me again of your death on the cross, your grace and mercy poured out for me. As I remember that, may I have that same love for someone else. That's a miracle when we get that, by the way. It's very irrational to get that. It's very difficult. Perhaps you're afraid. And you remember that you don't need to be afraid because he cares for you. He knows what's happening. Or perhaps you're lonely and you remember that he's present with you. Or perhaps you're confused. You remember that he is all wisdom and he will give you his wisdom. Or maybe you're discouraged. And then you remember that not only does he encourage, the Holy Spirit is the encourager and he is encouragement. He is encouragement. He didn't come up with the idea. He actually is encouragement. Or perhaps you're hopelessness and you forget that he actually is hope. Perhaps you're full of yourself. Perhaps you think you're great and you've been really, really good and you hope everyone notices how good you are. And you have to remember you're not that great. You still needed a God to die for you. Or perhaps you're down on yourself and you have to remember you don't have to be down on yourself. Don't have to remember your sins and your failures anymore because he's forgotten them. You may as well forget them as well and you can be lifted up. As we come to the table, we remember these things, all these things and probably more. I was on a, a little panel recently for our young adults, my, me and two other people, and the topic was unity. And as I was asking the Lord for a few days about how do you, get, how do you find unity? Look at us all here. And I have this job of trying to help us all be unified. Do you know how hard that is? It is not easy. If I said, stand up if you vote Labor, and others will look at you and go, what? If I say, stand up if you vote Liberal and vice versa, that's just voting. So many different ideas. So many, yesterday, for example, sorry, Friday, Australia Day, Countries becoming increasingly divided. And here we come, the church, and we have to be unified. And so I was praying about that for several days, and this is what I felt the Holy Spirit saying to me, and you will all agree with me so that we can be unified. <laughs> I'm telling you that. Um, this is what I felt the Holy Spirit saying. This is how often we see unity. It's actually, I felt God say, it's actually self-righteousness. Okay, and I'll explain why. So say I think, I'll choose something not too contentious. What could that be? <laughs> I think something, and I'm chatting to Sky and Asha and Graham, and Sky goes, I think the same as you. And Asha says, you're wrong. So Sky and I, we move a little bit aside because we think, and then I find Graham agrees with Asha. This is serious now. So Sky and I, we talk about them. They're I can't understand why anyone would think that. Can you? That is ridiculous. Have you ever heard a conversation like that in your life? You know, just something like that. And so we form a little allegiance. But we think we're unified. But all I've done is I find someone who proves that I'm right. That's why it's self-righteousness. See? She's proved that I'm right and I prove that she's right. And we feel good about ourselves. In fact, we feel superior to Asher and Graham. We've never felt like that ever, have we? No, no, no. 
Nein. We feel superior to them and that builds up our sense of self-righteousness. We're right. Now, I could actually bring up a topic, say baptisms for instance, and I could ask you all to stand up. Who thinks infant baptism is fine? Who doesn't? I won't ask you to do this. But we could immediately be divided, okay? But speaking in tongues, what's your view of that? Immediately divided. But most of us here are filled with the Holy Spirit, so what's going on here? So as I'm like wrestling with the Lord, what is it that unifies us? I felt God say, only one thing unifies you. You're all sinners in need of a saviour. It's the only thing that can unify you. You're all a bit wrong. Everyone is a bit wrong. <laughs> Some of you more than others, that's right. <laughs> it's really hard, isn't it, to say, some of my views might be wrong, even those ones that I think, I am right. It's really hard if someone says, you might be wrong to say. Did you ever see the view, the, um, if you are old enough, um, happy days when the Fonz had to say he was wrong? You could never get the word out. Go, rah, rah, rah. No, it's not going to say wrong. It's really hard for us to say wrong. But you might be wrong. And as Graham reminds me, when we get to heaven, we'll all find out we're all wrong about something. All wrong. It's really, may as well realise it now because it's very embarrassing in heaven when you realise you're wrong. So that is the thing that unifies us, everyone. And it's really hard for us to get to that because you have to be humble. It's really hard to be humble. But Jesus, we follow a God who humbled himself to death on the cross. The cross frees us from all our imperfections and we rely on his power and grace. Really get over yourself. If you're right, God will show it one day. But don't be full of yourself for being right. The only reason you're right about something is because God revealed it to you, not because you're amazing. And sometimes we think our rightness made us amazing. It doesn't. It doesn't. And so Jesus told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. So we remember this and we surrender to him gladly because we've got someone who's actually in charge who knows what's going on and is actually good. That's what you want. And he's with you even to the end of the age. And this is what we get. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognise him. In other words, you can receive him if you're looking for him and recognise him. It's not good or bad here. It's just if you start to look for him and you see him, you will receive him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. This is Jesus talking before the Holy Spirit's come. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. This is Jesus' promise of his Holy Spirit coming after he's ascended into heaven. And it's, it's very, I think it's really important here that we look at that word orphans because it means no one to care for you who actually owns you and loves you. And he's saying you will not be an orphan. Your father loves you. Your father loves you. And it's the goal of your heart to live in the love of the father. So therefore, as we come together, as we're going to take communion in a moment, Yes, we come with this reverential awe and we remember what Jesus did. But we also have a different mem memory. We remember that we just have to knock and he is there. He's present. 
He has everything you need. And if you ask him to show you what you're lacking today, you can. he will say, well, Lord, what can I remember if I'm afraid or lonely or f- whatever? Lord, what do I need to remember? And his Holy Spirit will tell you because his Holy Spirit lives within you. And also when you come to remember, remember what you can celebrate. It's not that you forgot him. You're here in church, you remember him. But you can take it as a moment to celebrate and to thank him. And back to 1 Corinthians 11, this is what Paul writes. What you must solemnly realise is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the master. And that doesn't mean like in a, a bizarre way. It means you are reminding yourself what he did. That's simply that you're reminding yourself. You will be drawn back to this meal again and again until the master returns. You must never let familiarity breed contempt. Anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the master irreverently is like part of the crowd that jeered and spat on him in his death. Is that the kind of remembrance you want to be part of? Examine your motives. Test your heart. Come to this meal in holy awe. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer. It's called a breath prayer. This one was written by a man named Sheridan Voicey, who some of you will know. He's an author and he's a broadcaster. And the reason it's called a breath prayer is that um, it's about receiving and releasing. And you can simply breathe in and receive from the Lord. The, there's nothing mystical in the breath. It's just sometimes we love symbolic things. And as you breathe in, you are taking some life into you. And as you breathe out, you're letting something go that needs to be restored, actually, so you can take in more oxygen. So it's simply that. And we start off by praying, Lord God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And you may have been a follower of Jesus for many years or you may never have asked the Holy Spirit to fill you. And I think it's a beautiful prayer to pray every day, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And as you do that, you are letting something go and that's your control of your life. That's the first part of the prayer and then I'll lead you through the rest and you can read it out. You can say it out loud with me because it will be up on the screen. If you don't want to say it out loud, you don't have to. But when you do, it's good, powerful. And so as you, you can close your eyes, you can put your hands in front of you if you want to, just do anything to, to put yourself in a spot where you talk to God. And you say firstly, Lord God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. You say that out loud. Lord God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And then let go of control of your life. All those things you're worried about, just let them go. And see the love of the Father who is embracing you. And then you can pray this and you can say this out loud with me. I receive your love and release my insecurity. I receive your joy and release my unhappiness. I receive your peace and release my anxiety. I receive your patience and release my impulsiveness. I receive your kindness and release my indifference. I receive your goodness and release my ungodliness. I receive your faithfulness and release my disloyalty. I receive your gentleness and release my severity. I receive your control. So, sorry, receive your self-control and release my self-indulgence. And so now the uh, communion tables are set and we are going to remember.
And as you come, come and take um, some bread and a cup and you can take communion as you like and the worship team will, pl- will play and we can join in whenever we feel like that. But just have a time with you and God and, and ask him, what do you need to remember of all the things he's done for you today as you take this? What do you need to remember? Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. So there are some t- there's table here and there and there and there and there. And there, so if you see a line that's really long, look around and you might go to another one and then take the bread and the cup back to your seat and as you, however you want, but just remember this, as you break it, remember. As you drink, remember. So come. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.